Hello, you're listening to Arts Talk Radio, and I'm Michael Hasted. We bring you regular news, reviews and interviews relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, concentrating on events in Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and the surrounding areas. Arts Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English. The theme of this week's edition is contemporary music. I talked to a Dutch composer who is a professor at Durham University in England about his new work, which has just been premiered in the Netherlands. And I also speak to the man who is the organist in a famous church. Arts Talk Radio Online. I was in Amsterdam the other day, and I went along to the city's oldest building, the Outer Kirk, to meet the man who has been overseeing the restoration of the church's pride and joy. My name is Jacob Lekkerkerker. I'm the organist and curator of music at Oudekerk in Amsterdam. And these are important times for you because I believe your organ is... Is it actually restored yet? Are in the point of restoring? Is it ready yet? Uh, it's in the finishing of restoring, which is very special. The last big restoration was in 1870, and we have been talking about it since 1958. So 2019 is a very important year for Oudekerk. So this is, this is a big, important organ, huh? From what date is it? It is. It dates from the 18th century, um, 1726 to be precise, and it's considered to be one of the most important uh, city church organs uh, in the Netherlands. How many pipes does it have? Uh, 4,158. Wow, that sounds like a lot of pipes. It's a e- lot of even pipes. by organ standards, that sounds absolutely like a lot. yes. Uh, when it was built, it was one of the biggest instruments in the country. And the relaunch is on the 11th of May. And you're going to have a big event, a charity event, to raise money for it as well, I believe. No, we are not raising money for the, for the organ. That has all been covered. It was 1.3 million. But unlike in England, you don't raise money for organ and the playing on the organ in one go. In Holland, these are separate things. So we raise money for the organ and we celebrate it in the weekend uh, of Saturday, 11 May. But we have a beneficiary dinner to raise money to play on it the next year. Okay. So, so what's happening on the 11th of May? It's a beneficiary evening. Um, Philip Glass, uh, the composer, will play himself the first piece uh, on the organ. The piece is called The Building, which is, I think, a very appropriate name for a place like this, a cathedral building. And uh, Nicholas Yar, a young composer from New York, uh, will make a, a new piece for organ and electronics, which will be premiered then. Um, Leo van Dusela, organist of Concertgebouw, will play a piece by Bach Vivaldi. And uh, so a lot of music is going on. And there's a dinner, of course. Uh, <laughs> and, and how much are the tickets for that, dare I ask? Um, because it's a beneficiary gala, the tickets are, are, are um, 5,000 for a table for eight persons. But um, there are all sorts of benefits uh, in, of tax. And the Netherlands are a country where we are very creative with tax deductions. So there are possibilities. And you'd also need to be quite hungry for that prize. And quite willing to support 
a new music series for the oldest building in Amsterdam. So the the church now has it still functions as a church, I believe, on a Sunday, but during the week it's more of an art installation place. You have um, art installations here, indeed. So it functions um, seven days a week as an art place, and we have uh, commissions for new artworks, people who make new projects especially for this place and um, it's used on Sundays as a, as a place for worship but I think most many of the installations you have here are sound based aren't they? Um, no not, not at all sound or light based um, the one which is installed now is by Carter Miller indeed sound artist but we had uh, Christian Boltanski the artist from Paris uh, last year uh, Tony Ausler from New York some years ago so it is um, it's uh, it's art in all its 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 ways and 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 how much of the church do you take up i mean we're, we're sitting in it now and the there's just a small like a keyboard at the end which people yes. can play on and play various soundtracks but do you normally or can you use the entire building uh, as you as you can hear actually they are using the entire building now because it's uh, the sound goes everywhere but indeed it it completely depends on what the artist chooses to do one of the artists decided not to do something in the church but on the rooftop of the church so he built a garden on the roof of outer kerk the uh, kerk was empty uh, last year the name was taturo atsu uh, and he made the garden which is the nearest to God actually on the rooftop of Oudekerk but Christian Botanski last year used every inch every centimeter of the building for and, his installation and what happens on Sunday for the service do they just <laughs> kneel on it or around the installation uh, um, what is good about Oudekerk that it has uh, it's one big space but it has some 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 small spaces inside it and there's always room for a good church service there yeah there's enough room for a football match in the in the Actually, bit in front of us yes or a cycling, <laughs> cycling too. yes that would be quite good go-karting would be good so tell me a little bit about the church the church dates from from when exactly from the late 13th century uh, inaugurated uh, by the bishop of utrecht in 1306 so uh, church services for more than 700 years and it's the oldest building still remaining in Amsterdam. Wow, I didn't realize that. And it's been it, it's not it's not been decommissioned as a church, has it? I mean, they've not it, it, it's still a sacred building. Um, in, in Protestantism they are more practical about uh, a church building. So what they did in the 1950s was sell it to a foundation to take care of the building and then rent it back uh, as, a, as a place for worship. And it was in a time that uh, many of the big city churches in, in, in Holland uh, were in a terrible state, so uh, all sorts of solutions had to be found. And, um, and for the Protestant believers, uh, uh, it doesn't actually matter if a place is sacred or if it's uh, yarn or uh, whatever it is. Mm. Of course, this is a fantastic place. Yes, isn't it? Uh, what, is there anybody important buried here? I mean, is there uh, historical um, it's incredible. here? It's incredible. Uh, um, people uh, who won the battles in the 17th century are, are buried here. Um, famous musicians like Jan Pieterson Swelink is, is buried here. Um, he was the organist here for 40 years and is considered to be the most important classical composer 
from Dutch history. So, indeed. So, uh, but to have Philip Glass actually playing here, that, that's a, a major coup, isn't it? It's exciting. It's very exciting to have one of the most important composers of classical music in our... Do you know, have you heard the piece that he's going to play? Yeah. It's, it's apart from Einstein on, on the beach. Ah, OK. Because they're doing that at the whole thing at the uh, Opera Targon, aren't they? Yes. In, yes, it's true. Yeah. Hmm. OK, well, thank you. It's gone very quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> thank you very much for that. And um, I shall look forward to, well, hearing the organ at some point anyway. Thank you. You're welcome. That was Jakob Lekkerkerker, the organist and curator of music at the Oude Kirk in Amsterdam. There is a grand event on the 11th of May to inaugurate the restored organ, and the first person to play on it will be the celebrated American composer, Philip Glass. Arts Talk magazine provides the perfect companion to Arts Talk radio, with reviews and previews in English of cultural events in Holland. Whatever you're interested in the arts, our international team of writers will always provide something new and exciting to see online. That's Arts Talk magazine, all one word, dot nl. Arts Talk magazine, dot nl. Arts Talk radio online. I'm in the Corso Theatre in The Hague, and I'm with composer Richard Reinvoss. And although you're a Dutchman, I believe you live in England. Um, yeah, but that's because I, I left the Netherlands in 2009 when I was appointed head of composition at Durham University. The reason we're, we're sitting in the Corso is because tonight one of your pieces is being played by the Ives Ensemble. What's that? So, um, th- I'm a bit of a funny composer because I have stopped writing independent pieces uh, 20 years ago. All my pieces are part of larger series. I've written a, uh, a cycle about New York called Up, Down, Uptown, Downtown. I'm still writing quite a lot of pieces de- uh, dedicated to the city of Venice. And there is a series which is called Riflessi. And Riflessi is the Italian word for reflections. And what I do in the in the Riflessi series is I borrow a scoring, an instrumental lineup of a composer from the past and the the condition is that that lineup has to be exceptional and for that particular lineup I write another piece which we could call a companion piece. A companion piece is the word we use for a piece that has the same um, orchestration or the same instrumentation. And this this work tonight is it's not a premiere, is it? But it is quite new. Well, it was played for the first time last week in oh. the, in the Musikgebouw in Amsterdam. So it's almost a premiere. Yeah. And it, so it's a companion piece for a piece by Arnold Schoenberg, uh, his Suite Opus Twenty Nine, which will be played before the interval. And it has a very beautiful uh, instrumental lineup. It is violin, viola, cello, three clarinets. More specifically, a piccolo clarinet in E flat, clarinet in A, and bass clarinet, and the piano. And for that wonderful combination, I, I had a plan to write a piece 
for exactly that same lineup 30 years ago, but it took 30 years to get, so to speak. The, 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 the idea had been in the fridge for 30 years, and now finally I could take it out. So into it's the been maturing like a good cheese. Exactly. So I, I, I'll try to be more specific because what I've just said is maybe a bit abstract. What I do is I start with numbers. And in the past, I've, for instance, uh, composed a lot of pieces with so-called magic squares. And that's a, that's a very cunning uh, mathematical principle where you have the numbers 1 to 64, for instance, in a matrix and the numbers are arranged in such a way that the sum of each row and the sum of each column is the same. So that means that the numbers are arranged in a unique way and those numbers are telling me you know, something about time, something about harmony, something about pitch. So what I do is I destillate my music out of abstract mathematical uh, principles. <laughs> Because I think a lot of your work is based, or is geographically based, if you like. It's, it's based true. on place. Yeah, I have, I have a, a fetish for cartography. Uh, I've written this cycle on New York. I've, I'm still writing this cycle on Venice. Um, the the Reflexi series is different because I'm using, I'm borrowing these, these uh, scorings from other composers. And because I borrowed uh, the scoring of the Sweet Opus 29 of Schoenberg, I decided to write a piece in a different way. I took all the letters from Schoenberg's name that can be spelled as a pitch. So, uh, and those are eight letters that can be read as a as a pitch when you use the German uh, uh, way of referring to pitch with an H. Uh, yeah, that means that in Arnold we have the A and the D, and in Schoenberg we have S. The S is a D, is an E flat. In German, then we have the C, the H. The H is actually um, the B natural um, in English. Uh, then we have the B, which in German is the B flat. Uh, we have an E and a G. And what I do is I've written 35 variations on those letters, and the very first bar of every variation, I turn around these pitches I find different intervallic characteristics and so every variation is completely different because of that and what's the, the actual process of when you start writing it down? You, you obviously don't sit at a piano with a, with a blank score in front of you. What's the actual process of starting? Actually, I'm not, because I'm not a pianist. No, no, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. uh, um, and nowadays we have computers. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, do, so. do, do you actually do it at a musical instrument, or do you do it entirely in your head? No. No, I wish I, I would be able to do it like a master chess player who can just remember all the moves of like the previous eight games he did. I wish I could do that. No, I do need I, I do need the computer to just you know keep track of the process. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I, some 
What I think is also very important, and maybe what, that's what you're after, uh, sometimes I'm a bit stuck, of course, and then I take a break, and then I go and sit in my Spanish uh, Andalusian uh, patio, and then I think, I think, and I, I do, I can imagine all the eight pitches of the Schoenberg name, for instance, in this particular piece, and I think, oh, hang on, I can make another variation if I turn around those intervals, and I'm not, I'm not going to use the perfect fourths, I'm going to use the, the major thirds, and things like that. So your work is really very intellectual. I mean, a lot of people <laughs> think of music as being emotional, but yours is... <laughs> Some people mistake my music for intellectual, but that's not quite accurate, I think. The thing is that... um, Okay, my biggest example as a composer is Igor Stravinsky, and I'm going to tell you why, because it's Stravinsky who wrote pieces that are well-constructed, and in order, in order to make well-constructed pieces you need to have some intellectual content and intellectual baggage, but at the same time, Stravinsky also wrote pieces, his pieces are also well-sounding, and they actually appeal to your stomach, so to speak, so I think um, the most important goal I have as a composer is to write music that is interesting both from an intellectual point of view but also from a sensitive point of view. So, and as, as I grow older, I actually feel that every year my composing becomes more into... In, uh, into I can't say that word. Intuitive. That's the word. <laughs> um, so uh, intuition is becoming more important. Um, the, um, in, in Dutch we say onderbuikgevoel. Huh? Yeah. yeah. And, um, but d- does it become easier as, it, as you get older? I think so, yeah. Because, but that's just experience. It's just experience. You don't find because a lot of a lot of artists, when they get older, they they tend to repeat themselves and, and create formula which which they know work and and, and make variations on that. I I, I see what you mean, but uh, first of all, I hate to repeat myself. Uh, that's one of my stronger. Uh, characteristics I suppose as a composer and so what I do with each piece that I start I just shove everything off the table and I like to start every piece with tabula rasa with um, a blank sheet and then start again and start not that I'm reinventing the wheel every time that's something else I'm not reinventing the wheel every time I start a new piece but I don't really enjoy you know, articulating the same work over and over and over again. Uh, not that there is anything wrong with that, because there have been absolute m- masters in the past, like Berio or like Varese, who I think were amazing composers, but actually they, that's just what they did. They just wrote the same piece again and again and again and again. Whereas someone like Stockhausen is the opposite. It's, Stockhausen has done so many, such a variety of pieces, you know. Uh, so I'm more like him. So, so uh, as well as your pieces, which are based on what should we say, geographical locations, you also take inspiration from from writers like and artists like Joseph Boyce and Samuel Beckett. Yeah, that's true. Do so you do when you when when that's your starting point? Do you start? Does it work differently? Um, well, 
when you write a piece with a text, so if there's a, if you write songs, for instance, like I've written 10 years ago, I got a Matthijs Vermeule award for my so song cycle, Die Kammersängerin, which is based on poems by the Austrian composer Ernst Jandl. Uh, when you write with text, uh, the music almost writes itself because when you have the text, half the work is already done, <laughs> you see. But so, you don't find it limiting that you have to fit your music in with the words? Oh, no, no, no. You have to... No. Um, I think what you need to do is to accept the fact that you have these wonderful poems, in this particular case by Ernst Jandl, and you just have to be a humble servant to the text you know if you try to to force the text into a a straight a musical straitjacket that is not particularly compatible then it's that then it's going to be a, a mission impossible and i feel that if you're if you take a more humble approach and you you think you say to yourself look i have to create music that lifts the text you know uh, off the stage, so to speak. That's far more interesting, far more interesting. It's funny you say that, because last year I did a big band piece to um, an experimental movie by Edgar Wright, who's a famous uh, German uh, um, uh, cinema guy, and um, it's a film called Geschwindigkeit. It only lasts, lasts 12 minutes, and the original score was done in 1963, the year before I was born, and it was a very serial Darmstadt kind of score for solo percussion, and the music and the film don't fit at all. You see, at all. Because back then, in the 60s, this was all about composers saying, I'm not going to get influenced by this film, I'm just going to ignore this film, and I'm going to do my own score, whether you like it or not, and that's how we're going to do it. Whereas I, a year ago, decided, no, this film needs music, it needs a remake score, and the music has to give the film a boost. So the film music actually has to support Support the film, and uh, which is what I did. I wrote this big band piece for the Daft Quicksilver Big Band. We put them together, and uh, the, the, the film is now a completely different film because of the music. Okay, well, I think that will do for the moment. Thank you very much indeed. I'm looking forward to listening to your piece, which is called... It's called Riflesso sullo spazio, which is Italian for reflection on the space. I'm glad you said that rather than me. was part of the New York Concerto by Richard Reinvoss, who I was talking to at the Corso Theatre in The Hague, where his new work, Reflesso Surospazio, pardon my pronunciation, was premiered last week by the Ives Ensemble. Arts Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English. Well, that's it for this week, so it's goodbye. I'm Michael Hasted. Goodbye. <laughs>